The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, thank you guys for that uh, special fourth song. I always feel like, you know, after somebody sings to you, you stand there and it's it's momentous, as all of us know this experience. Uh, and then you want everybody to chant speech, you know, because you just want to give a speech. So, okay, I'll give you a speech. All right. I prepared one today. So that's why you never know how to end those situations. So, um, well, if you're visiting with us, my name is uh, Dave, and um, people sing to me at church, which is quite nice. But we always sing to Jesus first. He's the first. And it's my birthday. And I have a sticker now. It says it's my birthday. So everybody can say happy birthday to me wherever I go today. Uh, We're in a series in Romans, and um, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 8 today, um, halfway through, which is fun. And uh, we'll be just looking at the first 11 verses today. So if you'd like to use a Bible in front of you, feel free to use uh, one of those under the seats. If you brought a Bible, uh, Romans is in the New Testament after the Gospels, after Acts, and then Romans. It's a lengthy letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And we've been studying it since the, since the fall started. And my hope for you is as we've studied Romans, uh, the, the truths, the experiences that um, that church had to deal with, the theology of who God is and their own sin, that we'd continue to be reminded that it's the power of God for our salvation. It's, it's the goal of what Paul is trying to communicate over and over again to the church in Rome is that God is at work and he's changing them, he's saving them, he's sanctifying them. And, and today we'll continue with that same theme. Last week, chapter 7, uh, we talked you know, a lot about the work of Christ and living life in the spirit versus the flesh. And that's continuing what Paul will talk about today, and there's a few key components to this today. But I, I'm excited that you've shown up to church today to, to sing, to see one another, to, um, to put peeps on my desk, which is exciting. I love peeps. Um, I have some three-foot-tall peeps in my room right now. I don't know where those came from, but um, I wish they were edible, but that's another story. Um, so I'm 47, but my gifts are like I'm seven, and that's just kind of who I am. And um, may that happen every year. May I, may I, may I get seven-year-old presents until the end. Uh, one, of key, one of our key passages uh, we talked about last week in Romans 7 was, in 7, 6, it says, But now we have released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so we serve in a, a way of the Spirit and not in the old way. So uh, we see in 7, this continuation in 8, uh, you know, the first few verses in, well, the first 11 verses in 8 just kind of summarize chapter 7 in a lot of ways. But I think there's a beauty of recognizing Paul has got some key points. He's, he, he wants to kind of hammer down some key things for some key truths. And that's what I hope today is that you experience, that there's some key things that you should know about who God is and who you are uh, that helps us walk daily in his truth, walks daily in, his, in, in a satisfied life in God. At, towards the end of 7, uh, Paul kind of confesses some of his own sin, that he's doing things he doesn't want to do. He, he's not doing the things he wants to do. And he said, what a wretched man I am. And then he has this sweet phrase in 25, 725, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we kind of could celebrate last week knowing like, yeah, get in our struggles, Jesus delivers. Um, before we read 8.1, let me pray that the Spirit of God be with us as we study this passage today. 
Spirit of God, Spirit of life, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are in awe of knowing the way you have revealed to us that you are alive, you're active in our lives. You desire for us to live the best life possible, and you have revealed yourself to us. Thank you for the many in the room that have said yes to you. When you said, come follow me, uh, we said yes. Thank you for this life in the Spirit. Help us understand the contrast of times where we don't follow you, where we... uh, follow our own desires. Help us see through this passage today the truth, and may we walk out of this church with our head lifted high, standing on your work and not our own. It's in your name. Amen. Let's read the first couple passages of Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What a rich truth to start with today in our passage. Romans 8, 1 through 11. What a key truth for all of us to know. And one thing we will not see in this entire passage today is a directive, an imperative, some sort of action statement that we must go do. There's no command as we will read today. Paul's focus here in this section is about truth. It's about who God is and who we are. So point number one today, the truth of the gospel is where we start and stand. So there are action points about truth. Like because of what we know is true, there are action points that we can like have confidence. We can stand somewhere. We know where to move. We can have a place to take our next step. What's the key truth? Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for you or for me if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. In the rest of the passage, Paul is just going to explain how the freedom we have in Christ exists. How we have it. And for those that don't and the sadness that follows. But the truth is for everyone in the room, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for you. It's a truth we can stand on, we can continue to walk in. And sometimes in life, we just need one truth. And I I was trying to think through a, a time where it's like sometimes you just need to know one thing and do one thing well. And the first thing I thought of was, Cutting the grass. I mean, you probably went there too, right? So last year, last year Lydia, my, my second daughter, she, teenager, she, uh, she hadn't cut the grass before. And, and uh, so I was like, that sounds wonderful. Let's, te- let's teach you how to do this. And uh, what I did not do was say, Lydia, the mower and the gas cans in the garage. I'll be in here watching disc golf. You're like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Right, so I, I went with Lydia out to the garage, and we moved all the bicycles to get the mower out and show her how to put the, the bagger on. And, and the, the most complicated thing is all those safety precautions on a gas can. Do you have any of those? Those are dumb, right? It's like, just give me a hole and pour it out. Like, ours, you have to kind of turn three things to get the gas to come out. Anyway, you know, it's not the little one that does the weed eater, because that's kind of complicated. It's got oil in it to break everything. But, like, it's just the big one. It's got gas. So we filled it up, overfilled a little bit. But it's okay. You know, it's like you learn these steps. And then we got there, you hold the mower with one hand and the pull with the other, and you push really hard with, with, with the mower on the, on the driveway, and you 
and just kind of like give it a nice yank and it cranks right up because I had to buy a new one last year. So it, it works good. You, you know how this works. Like this is lawn mowing 101. But then I'm going to tell her, Lydia, I'm going to do the outside lap of the yard. Front yard's a tiny yard. I live in a cul-de-sac, so the little front yard's kind of tiny. I'm just going to do the outside lap, okay? So I do that. I turn the mower off. said, Lydia, one truth. Keep the left wheel on the short grass the whole time. And if you do that, there'll be no stripes in the front yard. <laughs> one, there's only one rule of mowing. You keep the left wheel on the short grass, and then everything will mow because that's just how physics works and long grass becomes short grass. Boom. Now, there were a couple stripes, right? But the only reason it happened was is because the, the wheel got on the long grass and it made a little, little line, right? But it was her first time. But I knew that day that I felt like I could just tell her one truth. We would have good mowing. Then when she went to the backyard, she followed the one truth, did a fantastic job, Lydia, for all to know. Yep. Yep. And you guys should pay her a lot more than I pay her because it's not her yard, right? You know what I'm saying? So, but it was, it was a good day. But I, I just, I remember this story because I think there are times just like cutting the grass and teaching your kids to do these, these rhythms and these patterns of being a good citizen and a good neighbor, keeping your grass mode. Um, but when it comes to the gospel and it comes to faith, sometimes you just need to know, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? We just need to wake up with that some days. We just need to wake up with that truth. So my question today, on the Lord's Day, just happens to be my birthday. How are you feeling about your life, your spiritual life? Do you feel like you needed that verse today? How was your Thursday? How was your Friday? How was your Saturday? Most of us can't rem remember much past that these days, right? So how has your life been? Do you need to be reminded today that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? So here's three sub-points about this this one truth we're going to stand on today. First of all, Jesus has set you free from God's punishment of sin. That's what it means to have no condemnation. We're not talking about each other. It doesn't mean we're not going to hurt one another. It doesn't mean that. It just means when it comes to God, the, the main authority, there is no condemnation for each one in the room that said, I trust in you, Jesus. You are set free from that punishment. Secondly, you were set free from the power of sin that controlled you. So sin, if you're not a follower of Jesus, literally is your master. You are a slave to it. You must sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's a truth. Paul's trying to teach you. You must sin if you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you don't must sin. You can choose to sin, but you don't have to because Jesus has freed you. Life in the Spirit has freed you. The power for sin, of sin has been removed. And then thirdly, you can stop the patterns of sin in your life today. Today you can stop the pattern that you are stuck in. This trench, this Gully, this Grand Canyon-sized pathway of sin that you keep falling into. Jesus 
life in the Spirit, the Bible teaches us that we can stop today. Don't show hands. But there are people in this room that don't get drunk or high anymore because of the gospel. Amen? Because of the gospel. They, they've stopped. We, we have like sobriety rhythms. People, people have coins and celebrate years and decades of being free from this specific sin. Now it's one of many. What's another? There are many in the room that have gone months or years without looking at pornography. There was an addiction in their life where they felt like they must continue to do this pattern, this rhythm. But because of the freedom of the gospel, they've said, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to look at that junk anymore. It destroys the way we view men and women and God's creation of sex. And I don't want to think that way. I want to have a, have a right way to think. I don't want to be trapped in that. And many in the room are free. Another example, many in the room are free from hating somebody. There was something where we, we hated people, but we stopped hating them because we recognized that Jesus forgave us when I hated him. And that forgiveness helped us love. And because he first loved us, now we can love other people, even if they're not sorry. And instead of hating them, we can be like sorry for them and have empathy for them and compassion for them and kind of be sad that they're kind of hard people to be with, that they're judgmental and aggressive. And then we kind of judge ourselves like, now am I being judgmental? Or, you know what? This is something that Jesus is continuing to work in me. Guys, these are three big ones. And there are many big ones. But there are dozens of things that we get trapped in. And we think, this is going to be my life. But just know, there are people with that thing you're struggling with have gone years without doing that because of the gospel. So have hope. Believe, trust that you can be free. It's the truth we can stand on. So even though Paul today doesn't give us any commands, I want to encourage you all. Hope. Lean in. Believe the truth. That when the Bible says there's no condemnation, now you can pick your head up and start living the way for a mission that you have been called to. Something much bigger than yourself. And last week, even in Romans 7, as Paul was trying to do the right thing, he just said, you know, even when I'm trying to do the right thing, evil is right there with me. And that's hard, but that's our walk. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the light. And I wanted to begin with this truth today because I think as Paul is right here in the middle of talking about life in the flesh, life in the spirit, he wants to remind the church in Rome, remind us today, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You know what? You have sin in your life. So do I. So does Paul. But if you trust in what Jesus has done, God has already punished another on your behalf. So let's read the rest of the passage to see what else we can be reminded from this truth. Romans 8, 3 through 11. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set, your, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So before we get into some truths that we can see from this teaching, I always like to pause sometimes when we read passages in the Bible. And if you're doing a Bible reading, right, and you're saying, I'm going to try to read a few chapters of the Bible each day, okay? Say you come to Romans 7, 8, and 9. You probably shouldn't read three chapters and just move on. That was like 10 sentences, and all of us have to kind of like take a breath. Like, what in the what, right? So I just want to encourage you, if you tend to bog down in certain passages in the Bible because they're hard, I want you to stop. Stop at a paragraph. Think about what you read. Break out a piece of paper and a pen. Use the margins. What in the world are we reading here? Because God is not pleased with you finishing a chapter in the Bible. Check. Oh, there's one of my children. They read a chapter of the Bible. That's, that's not it. He'd rather you read a few sentences, try to gather what in the world is these writers trying to say, because these are heavy philosophical things at times, and normally our day jobs aren't full of this, Right? And you can't see it. And oftentimes you read a couple sentences of the Bible, you're so convicted with like the nine relationships you're getting wrong, you can't even think anymore. But that's why it's life. That's why it's good. That's why we need to be in it. But I just want just to encourage those who kind of read the Bible and it's kind of hard, welcome to my life, right? Welcome. It's, it's hard. And if it's not hard for you, maybe... Go a little slower, talk with somebody else, and see kind of some things that other people are kind of struggling with to try to put some things in order. So what I decided to do today, after taking a passage like this, where there's two clear things that are being compared, life in the flesh, life in the spirit, I just thought we'd make a little chart, if you will. And what I decided to do was take a few topics. I took six topics, and we run them through life in the flesh and life in the spirit. So if you like organized knowledge, you're going to love this sermon today, right? And if you like more like the story stuff, we talked about mowing grass. So it's like, all right, so today, today is going to be a little, little chart. And if you want to take notes and kind of track with this, it just helps me know, like when I'm reading something, I'm trying to stop and I start organizing thoughts. It just helps me know what in the world Paul's talking about. So here's a chart we're going to be with. We have a topic, life in the flesh, life in the spirit. And those with more of the poetic side, I made them all A's. So that'll be kind of fun. Okay, so the first A is authority. When it comes to the authority in your life, the main authority, the top authority, capital A authority, what happens when you're living life in the flesh versus what happens when you live life in the spirit based on this passage. So first of all, the life in the flesh, self-centered, 
personal desires come first, cannot submit to God's law. Earlier I shared, if you don't have the spirit of God in you, you can't do anything but sin. It's from passages like this. You can't submit to God on your own. You can't be righteous and perfect without the blood of Christ on your life. Your authority must be under Christ, because if it's not, it's of the flesh. It's self-centered. But life in the Spirit, the authority is what? It's God-centered. It's seeking to fulfill God's will. That's the desire that Paul's pointing here. The life in the Spirit is one who wants to please God, follow God, submit to God. What's our next word today? Atonement. This is the payment. This is the uh, punishment so that there can be justice and righteousness. So what's the atonement for the life in the flesh? Well, the rejection of Jesus and the need for his work just shows us that we're trying to strive to please God in our own way. So if you choose not Jesus, every other answer is wrong based on the Bible. So the rejection of Jesus is this idea like you don't need Jesus' atonement. My works are good enough to make God happy. That last worship song, I sang it really loud. He's really happy with me. Like what? No. Jesus, and that's life in the spirit. Jesus is the atonement. He's the punishment. It's the cross. It's this crucifixion symbol we put in the back of the church here. He's the one who fulfilled the law's righteous requirement. It was him. The third word, alignment. We talk about, I use this word a lot because it's this idea of like, Jesus is walking straight and am I following him? Am I aligned with him or am I off? Life in the flesh is, we just read, hostile to God. That's in contrast. That's fighting. That's kind of pushing away. Not wanting to do what God wants, but doing what you want. But of course, life in the Spirit, we're aligned with God. We focus on spiritual matters and His righteousness. That's where our mind is set. We've read that three or four times. Where is your mind set on? Are you aligned with God? So point number two today, life in the Spirit submits to God. This is the struggle. This is the struggle that Paul talked about in chapter 7. Who's at the center? Are you doing what you want to do? Are you doing what God wants to do? And if you're in a struggle, you'll say things like Paul said in 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't do, I kind of want to do. And ah! But thanks be to Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. So what's at the center of your life? Are you submitting to God? Better question, who is at the center of your life? If you want to live at peace, the only thing you should be aiming at is the will of God. Resting in what Jesus Christ has done, submitting to God and his desires and his will, and then you will have peace. What does Jesus teach us on the Sermon on the Mount? Another one of those mow the grass truths. Jesus is like, I know I just said a lot of things to you guys. How about this? Seek first the kingdom, and then all this other stuff will be... Come right along. We need, Jesus knows that our focus and that we're 
complicated and it's hard to put all these things in order at times in our lives. So sometimes we think, hey, why don't you seek first the kingdom and then everything else will kind of like line up. And the older I get, the more I wish I pray this earnestly every single day. And I'm glad it's a part of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus should be our authority at the center, the one we're aiming at, following his life. He did the work, but he also showed us how to live. He told his disciples, teach them. As you make more disciples, teach them to obey my commands. I think that's a good thing to do. What did Jesus say to do? Do that, starting with this, putting him at the center. So we should live lives aligned to the teachings because he is the Lord and he is the king. Let's look at the next three, next three topics. So the first is acceptance. Based on acceptance, how are you accepted? Life in the flesh tells us this, that you cannot please God. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So you are not in the family of God if you have not made Jesus the King and Lord of your life. There's one way to be in the family of God, and that's it. But here's the good news. Life in the Spirit, you are fully accepted because God not only invites you in the family, He lives inside you. Nothing closer than that. Christ is in you, living out His work and His mission because you have said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So what are some actions? What are some things we do? Well, life in the flesh, you're guided by the sinful nature, independent from God. What is the world, what, is your, what are your internal desires wanting? You want to feel a certain way? You want to go do a certain thing? You want to be seen and be honored and have power and have money and, and be in control all the time? Then you're going to do actions that allow all that to be true for you. And you might be alone at the end of all that. But when it comes to acceptance, or it comes to actions in life in the Spirit, we're guided. Holy Spirit's moving us and pointing us and empowering us. And what kind of power are we talking about here? Well, Paul says, it's the same power that raises a God from the grave. That's the kind of power and guidance that you can have if you live your life in the Spirit. Now, you, want to, you may want to seek another power, but I'm going to say it's not going to be as big as that power. So the actions, the life of someone in the Spirit is guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we sing about this today in our, our third song. What about the afterlife? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus is pretty clear. Life in the flesh leads to a spiritual death and separation of God forever. Like not only are you separated now, you're separated into eternity. Instead of Christ paying the punishment, this atonement, everyone who does not put their faith in Jesus will be punished. Jesus calls this place hell. Place of darkness and pain. But life in the spirit it's the exact contrast. It's eternal life with God. and Jesus calls this place heaven. and It's full of peace. And the kingdom of God starts when you start your faith, start your relationship with Jesus. You put your faith in him now. 
So if you're a Christian, you've begun your eternal existence with God now on this side of heaven, which is beautiful. And there's a peace and a comfort and presence with God that will never change. So point number three, life in the Spirit is forever with God because of God. Life in the Spirit is forever with God because of God. Because we belong to the family of God, we can live with confidence knowing that we're accepted. The number of belonging phrases in this passage are amazing. That's one of our key values here at Neighborhood Church because you belong to the family of God if you put your faith in Christ. And our actions, they're not based anymore on trying to get to God. They're based on we've already been asked to be a part of the family, been accepted into the family, and we said yes. But we had to lay down, right? We had to lay down our own authority. We had to lay down our own, we're not the, we're not the God of our lives anymore. It's humility in that. But the beauty is, man, the pleasures and enjoyment that, that your deepest heart desires um, seek are actually found in a relationship with God. We can do great internal things in the kingdom of God. And I hope that your life isn't just trying to make it till tomorrow. But your life can be about, how can my life be about eternal things that don't end tomorrow, that last into eternity? That's my hope. His mission is what you're asked to be a part of. And we're promised a reward, eternal life, peace. And it can start today. And the last part of that, point because of God is because as you read this, we see that it's God the one pursuing the whole time in this passage. He is the giver of life. He is the sender of Jesus. He is the one who fulfilled the expectations of the law with his perfect life and the expectations of the law of punishment for sin, which was his death and the power of the resurrection. And then that life he gives to us. So in review, as we wrap up today, Here's a couple definitions based on this passage. Life in the flesh. This is a life that's self-centered, dominated by personal desires, unable to submit to God's law, condemned to spiritual death and separation from God. But the good news is for everyone who will humble themselves and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, you have a God-centered life belonging to Christ and His righteousness, empowered by the Holy Spirit, not condemned but receiving eternal life and peace. We need to remember everyone, even that person that you like thinks really far from God, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. There's hope for everyone this side of heaven. The same way there's hope for you and I. And I don't know if the beginning of the sermon brought up a bunch of things in your life. Like what is you're evaluating and all these things? I hope it did. It does for me as well. But I want to end with this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are his. And we all can agree we're not perfect. But we know that we can live a life of right satisfaction, of right desires. when We seek first his kingdom. Let's do that together. Let's be a light in this community. Let's pray. What an amazing truth, God. 
that there is no condemnation because of what Jesus has done. Father, we're sorry for the failures. We're sorry for the times when you called us to do things and we said no. We're sorry for the things you've asked us to do when we don't do. We're sorry for the things that we do that you've said will ruin us and hurt other people, and yet we still keep doing them. May today, February 4th, be a day where we say, we're going to stop, and we're going to join many who've gone before us who trusted that the power of Jesus can stop these trenches of death. And Father, may you send friends, may you send family members, may you send people of, of godly wisdom around us to help us in this pursuit of seeking purity. May we fight sin together, not to get to heaven. May we fight sin because we know it honors you and more people on the eternal mission that you have sent us on. More people may come to faith because we are living more like Jesus. Father, we're sorry where we have failed. We're sorry where we have been lazy. We're sorry where we have not believed the truth. But we believe this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we stand on that today as we lift our head high and experience your death, burial, and resurrection. It's in your name. Amen.